From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, J.R. Primaries were held last Tuesday in the special elections for a vacant state assembly seat and a vacant state Senate seat. Republican John Plummer advances to the general election next month to face Democrat Ann Groves Lloyd for the assembly seat north of Madison, while Republican State Representative Andre Jacques advances to take on Democrat Caleb Frostman in the Senate seat that covers the Green Bay area. So there was some drama here, especially in the Senate seat. So did anything surprising happen in the primaries? John Plummer was the guy that Republicans in Madison recruited for that race. City members of the Assembly put money into his campaign. I mean, he clearly had the support of Republican infrastructure or or establishment in that primary, so that he won, not surprised at all. What we were watching in the 1st Senate District, though, was how would that race go because you had an outside group in the Midwest Growth Fund that was spending you know, a decent amount of money on radio and some digital ads knocking Andre Jacques as kind of an insider and a career politician, trying to paint Alex Jamar as an outsider who was going to go shake things up. And in the end, uh, it was a very low turnout race, but you know, Andre pulled it out by a little more than 300 votes. Some assembly leaders had supported Alex Renard in the Senate primary, but as soon as the election was over on Wednesday, they called for unity and threw their support behind Andre Jacques. Why was it important for them to rally around him? Well, they don't want to lose the seat. I mean, what's going on here is, you know, we've seen a couple of elections in Wisconsin where we had Patty Schachner win the 10th Senate District, which had been in Republican hands for, you know, 17 years, and she won by like more than 10 points. Then you had Rebecca Dallet, kind of a liberal Milwaukee County judge, win the state Supreme Court race by a dozen points. I mean, those are data points of a blue wave building. And if you're a Republican, you don't want to add more data points to that case because if that if Democrats win one or both of these seats, you know, come June, it's another piece of put in their argument of things are happening here for Democrats, there's momentum on their side, and they have the potential to pick up some seats. Another big development last week, Democratic State Representative Peter Barca of Kenosha decided not to get into the race for Paul Ryan's seat in the 1st Congressional District. That leaves Randy Bryce and Kathy Myers to compete in the August primary for the Democrats. Why did Barca take a pass? Well, the perception of people I talked to is that he came to the realization that he could not catch up financially to where Randy Bryce is. I mean, Bryce has raised... I think some $5 million already for the campaign. He had a couple million bucks in the bank. I mean, that is a steep mountain to climb to get in and then in the span of, you know, a little more than three months, raise the money you need to catch up with him. So that would be a tough task. Plus, you know, Barca mentioned that there have been a number of endorsements in this race. It's just difficult to raise that kind of money without outside help or, or if you've got people already endorsing the other candidates, it's just hard to catch up, and that's probably part of the the calculation Peter had about his decision. By the same token, it was reported that Kathy Myers received a $6,000 per year tax deduction on her home in Illinois after she moved to Wisconsin in 2009. Will this follow her on the the trail? Uh, You know, it's probably not something that's good, but you've also got to remember that, you know, Randy Bryce has his baggage as well. They fell behind on some child support, didn't pay... Um, didn't pay former girlfriend a 
uh, loan that she gave them. So they are both have some flaws. The question is, how do voters view these flaws? You know, with Randy Bryce and his issues, I've heard the argument that uh, these are disqualifying uh, mistakes in his past that people not be happy about him. I've also heard the argument that, you know, it makes him seem more real, that he's struggled like people have across Wisconsin or that district, and that that will make him more relatable. So we'll see how the voters actually feel about it, but that's, you know, it's unclear right now, because I haven't seen any good polling about it, how people view you know, having some baggage like that. Switching gears here to another race, it looks like Republican U.S. Senate candidate Leah Vukmir's endorsement from the Republican Party of Wisconsin is starting to yield results. The Wisconsin Next Pack announced a half-million-dollar ad-buy for her. So is she parlaying the endorsement to her advantage? No, it's too, it remains to be seen. Um, we have seen, I think she's maybe in the midst of it or almost just finishing up a a tour of, they call them victory centers for the Republican Party. They're kind of field offices where people go to make the phone calls and organize volunteers. She is touring, you know, toured those places and talked to them. Um, the party is you know, promoting her on social media. But for Vukmir, she needs to close the gap financially with Kevin Nicholson. I mean, he's outraised her. It hasn't been a huge amount of money, but still, he's outraised her. He's up in the polls that we've seen. He's got national groups behind him, she needs to find a way to close that gap. Now, one big question people have is, what's the party going to do to help her? I mean, if the party goes all in on Leah Vukmir and Kevin Nicholson wins the primary, well, it's going to be maybe a strained relationship with its nominee for U.S. Senate after the primary is over. Also, the party's reputation is kind of on the line. You know, the party's made a big deal about these endorsements, and they they don't deliver what's it say about the power of the party. So there's there's that to watch as a subtext, but for Vukman, the big picture is she has to use as a springboard to something to close a gap with Nicholson and, and uh, create some momentum. And finally, you could say there's been good news for Governor Walker's re-election campaign. The state's unemployment rate hit a new record low last week to 2.8 percent. Also, more than 70,000 people submitted claims for the child tax rebate in the opening hours of the application period. More than a dozen Democrats are vying for the chance to take on Walker in November. Will the apparent popularity of the tax credit, along with the low jobless rate, work in Walker's favor in the election? Well, let's say the jobless rate first. Governor Walker has been touting that for a while because we've been down around the 3% range for some time. So that's definitely something that he's going to push that it's because of his policies that we've gotten to that point. But the tax credit is kind of not quite clear how that's going to play out. If you go back to 2000, uh, back then there was split control of the Assembly and Senate, and Governor Tommy Thompson was still in office, and they approved, I believe, a, a tax rebate of 300 bucks per, per person. Um, I don't remember if that really made a big difference in the political outcome come November. So, But Walker wants to sell the idea that here is, a, here is an example of Republican policies that have been put in place by this administration and lawmakers resulting in a, a benefit, a dividend, like you call it sometimes, for taxpayers. It depends how they view that. Is it because of Governor Walker, they give him credit, and is it that going to change their perception or excite them about the idea of a third term for Governor Walker? It's all kind of too, remains to be seen. If it looks like uh, the governor is selling it to his, ad- to his advantage, how will Democrats adjust their tactics? Well, you know, they're focusing on other things like Foxconn. Uh, it's been a big point of contention in this race where Democrats are criticizing Governor Walker, saying he gave away the store essentially to 
land that they're talking about, whereas the government walks talk about the low unemployment rate, they're looking at the job creation rate and how we lag behind the national average. I mean, each side will pick apart all these numbers to try and make a case of whether they think we're doing well or doing poorly. And for Democrats, they're trying to make the case that we're not doing as much as we could and we're not realizing our full potential because walkers failed to invest in things like, in their minds, education and, and so on. So that's the case we're trying to make right now and trying to win over voters ahead of November. Good to talk to you, JR. Anytime. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.